and research shows that mentored employees have greater intentions to stay within the organization, they have more commitment to their job, and research shows that mentored employees have higher job satisfaction. Welcome to the Contributor Wednesday series on the Bridge the Gap Network. This series is sponsored by Peak Senior Living by Functional Pathways. Each week, you'll hear from a thought leader discussing topics that are relevant and impactful to the senior living industry. Welcome back to Bridge the Gap podcast for senior living for my third episode as part of the Contributor Wednesday series. I'm Anthony Ormsby-Hale, Vice President of People Operations at Civitas Senior Living, and I'm thrilled to be with you today as we follow up from last month's episode about professional development plans for emerging leaders. After the episode, I heard from so many people who started the process of crafting their own professional development plans, and I could not be more excited about the opportunities that lie ahead for them. In this episode, I'll discuss a few thoughts on what emerging leaders can do to identify, invite, and build rapport with an executive leader or mentor. I'll talk about what executive leaders can do to be more effective mentors within their organization. And then last, I'll share some advice for what organizations can do to create an atmosphere and a culture of mentorship and development within their organization. So super excited to dive in and let's get started. Whenever you develop a mentor relationship, you gain so much confidence in an array of areas, including the ability to talk with people, ask for feedback. And I know that in my own conversations with mentors that I've been fortunate to have, I have felt more sure of myself in making decisions that have helped me figure out the next steps of my career, whether it was a promotion or opportunity to pursue, skills to develop, or any other part of my professional development plan. Regardless of where you are in your career, whether you're a recent graduate, a new manager, or a seasoned professional, everyone can use a mentor to help guide them along the way. We know from research that people with mentors get promoted faster, they earn a higher salary, and that they tend to be more satisfied with their careers. As with most relationships in life, it's important to set expectations about what a mentor can and cannot do for you. A mentor is someone who acts as your cheerleader and guide. They encourage you to apply for new opportunities and help you to navigate challenging situations such as transitioning to a new role or taking on a stretch assignment. While many people assume that a mentor will leverage their network to help the mentee access promotional and career opportunities, this is not always the case and should be clearly defined in the goal-setting phase of the mentor relationship. The latter is often defined as a sponsor and is an internal support figure that advocates for the mentee to participate in skill building or career building experiences. I don't want to overcomplicate the matter. Many mentors are also sponsors, but you'll avoid a lot of hurt feelings and misunderstandings by simply clarifying expectations of the relationship from the very beginning. After the last episode, as I mentioned, so many individuals reached out to me with questions. And the one question that was a recurring theme was, how do I identify a mentor? And once I know who that person is, how do I ask them to be my mentor? One friend reached out and said it was like asking someone to the prom all over again. So I wanted to share a couple of tips about how you can identify the mentor that is the best fit for you and what you can do to reach out to and establish that relationship once you've identified the appropriate mentor. And as I said earlier, it's important to start understanding what your expectations are. What did they need to know and what type of experience would this mentor have in order to give you the best advice and guidance? 
For example, if I'm looking for a mentor that will allow me to access promotional opportunities within my current company, then I should look for, for an influential leader who can act as a sponsor for me. That person should be willing to advocate for me within the organization. They should also participate in conversations that assign projects or tasks to employees so that they can have an appropriate platform to advocate for you to take on a bigger role. On the other hand, if I'm looking for a mentor that can teach me a new skill or help me identify potential opportunities for growth that don't necessarily lead to promotional opportunities, then that may open up possible mentorship relationships outside of my company or even my industry. There are also advantages and disadvantages to having a mentor within your own organization. While some mentors within your organization are better attuned to the political dynamics that come along with uh, relationships within an organization, you may not feel as if you can be as open or honest with them about relationships or struggles that you're having with certain people within the organization. So it's important to identify just exactly what those needs are, who you can be open and honest with, and making sure that you're not turning your mentorship sessions into complaint sessions. You certainly don't want to take up the time and energy of just complaining about issues. If you're having an issue with connecting with a peer or maybe struggling with a supervisor, that's certainly something a mentor can help you work through. But you should really be focusing on the behaviors and the issue at hand versus complaining about just that other individual. Other great questions to ask when identifying a mentor could be, what skills and accomplishments does this person have and are they relevant to my goals? Is this a paid or a volunteer mentorship relationship? There are a lot of great mentors out there who offer their services and professional development or coaching as a paid uh, form. And that is certainly something that people will want to consider if they have the means to do so. Otherwise, you will you know, seek out a volunteer mentorship relationship, but the, the dynamics of that are slightly different. And so if you have the ability to have a paid mentor or professional development coach, I would highly consider you doing that. And there are certainly some great uh, individuals out there who do that as a full-time profession. And then you also want to consider what are the mentor's expectations of me? Is this individual mentoring me in hopes that they may be able to recruit me to join their organization? How will my current organization feel about that type of relationship with that individual? And you also want to make sure that you are having those conversations with friends, you're getting recommendations, but that you're also seeking out someone who could potentially have a different point of view or different experience than yourself. Because if you find yourself with a mentor who isn't bringing a lot of value into the relationship or agreeing with a lot of the thoughts or ideas that you have, and you're not actually growing in your experience, your skills, or your knowledge, then it may not be as beneficial of a mentorship relationship. So you've gone through those questions, you've identified, you've done self-assessment, you've established your, your goals, you know what your great mentor looks and sounds like. And so now you have to reach out and you have to make that initial ask to the mentor. And so here are a couple of tips of what you can do to initiate that conversation. And first is, you know, schedule an initial conversation or introduction. You want to ask the potential mentor if they can make time for a meeting with you. you give yourself plenty of time. You don't want to be rushed, but you also want to acknowledge the value of their time. And if possible, I suggest making this a face-to-face -face meeting, maybe lunch or coffee. Um, but of course, now we're all used to talking through Microsoft Teams or through Zoom. 
And so online meetings allow for greater flexibility. And in this initial conversation, if you don't already know this potential mentor, it's important to say that you're considering asking for a mentorship relationship, that you want to get to know more about the individual. There needs to be a clear objective to the meeting, but you don't oftentimes want to make that first meeting your sales pitch. And so making sure that you are assessing the relationship status and that you're going into that meeting with clear expectations is, is critical. And you know, making sure that you understand the type of guidance that you're seeking. And this is where that preliminary brainstorm on your part will help you articulate just what you have in mind. Describe what advice or guidance you're seeking. Is this a short-term or a long-term mentorship relationship? And then come formulated with ideas or suggestions of how this could be beneficial for that other person as well. What's the return on their investment for spending time with you and helping you work through the potential um, challenges or obstacles that you are facing. And, you know, most mentors are highly successful in their field. They're pretty busy individuals. And so they want to know that the individual that they are mentoring or spending their time with is going to do the necessary work and follow through. And there's nothing more frustrating to a mentor than someone who doesn't do the work necessary to take their advice. And so you want to make it clear to your potential mentor that you're ready to commit the time, energy, and effort to make the most of their advice and time. And so going through and, and again, setting those clear expectations of I, I am dedicating one hour a week to you know focusing on my professional development plan. Is that enough time? to follow the advice or to do the suggestions that your mentor has. If your mentor is expecting you to spend one hour a day versus one hour a week, then you want to make sure that that is in alignment with what you are able to commit to. And as I mentioned earlier, most people who are asked to be mentors are pretty successful in their careers, which means they're also very busy. And you're not the only person who's typically asking them for advice or for a moment of their time. So it's important for you to acknowledge that reality. This also gives them a way of what I call a graceful out of them to be able to respectfully decline your request, maybe make an introduction to a more appropriate person. It creates a sense of civility within the relationship itself. Not every pitch will end up in a successful mentorship relationship, but as we all say, especially in the senior living industry, it's a pretty small world out there. So you never know when your paths may cross with this individual again. So keeping it civil, making sure that, you know, if you get rejected, that you acknowledge that with grace and you move on to identify another appropriate mentor. So a few tips here. If you don't know the person at all or very well, maybe check to see if you have any mutual connections that could help make that first introduction. Don't be afraid to cold call, but if you have a, maybe a, as LinkedIn would call it, a second degree or a third degree connection, then it may be helpful to reach out to that person and ask them to make an introduction for you. Don't take it personally if the answer is no. As I mentioned before, their time is already being claimed by several other people and they may not be able to meet additional demands. And so if this is somebody who you really feel like you would have a strong and fruitful mentorship relationship with, then set a follow-up and ask if you can check back with them in six months or maybe even a year to see if their time uh, frees up then. So let's switch to the second part here, which is advice for leaders who accept and act in mentorship roles. And I want to start with a quick note of thanks to anyone who acts as a mentor. Time is a precious commodity these days, and I think that mentoring is one of the best uses of time that we have. 
as I've mentioned before, mentorship has enormous value. And I personally remember a time when I was gearing up for my first ever financial review call as a senior living executive director. I was pretty nervous. I'd spent several days reviewing information and preparing for the call. And prior to becoming an executive director, I started my senior living career as a director of sales. And so going into that financial review meeting, I was planning on focusing on the several move-ins that had occurred in the previous month and the pipeline that we had built up as a way to spotlight a potential increase in revenue. Naturally, as a former sales director, I was pretty comfortable talking about move-ins. And historically, throughout my career, that seemed to get a lot of approval from senior leaders and executives when we would say, you know, our community is going to have five, six, seven, eight move-ins this month. Fortunately, a mentor that I had at the time stated, if you're going to talk about move-ins, then you need to be prepared to talk about any concessions that you've offered or any incentives that you've offered that are going to impact the income that you're receiving from those move-ins. They don't want to talk about the number of move-ins. They want to talk about cash income. And for me, that was great advice. And it may seem incredibly simple now, but again, think back to first-time executive director, first financial review call, you want to make yourself look good. And sometimes you start creating a picture of what people want to hear versus the full picture of what, what they need to have. And this changed the entire tone of my review and helped me to come out looking more impressive as a new executive director. It also reinforced my understanding of financial management, a critical skill for a new leader. And so I was very grateful for that mentor who took a moment of their time to give me that advice and to help me prepare for an important meeting. And so I consider mentorship the ultimate win-win. It's good for the mentee, it's good for the mentor, and it's great for the organization. The organization gets a boost in employee retention and engagement, and research shows that mentored employees have greater intentions to stay within the organization. They have more commitment to their job, which is incredibly important now as we are all seeing more and more about the quiet quitting that's happening across the United States and throughout the world. And research shows that mentored employees have higher job satisfaction. What's surprising is that a lot of the research shows that mentors experience much of these same benefits. They enjoy being able to be the subject matter, matter leader, gives them an opportunity to stay in touch with the day-to-day -day grind of the business. And so I consider mentorship a great program to have, not only for emerging talent, but it's a way for you to engage your senior leaders as well. And so once you have accepted the role of mentor or sponsor to someone, it's important to develop a plan. And you can use a similar approach that I shared in the previous episode of using objectives and key results. But like any good project, a mentorship relationship has objectives, action items, timelines, and clear expectations. And so here are a few things that you can do as a mentor and as an organization to help produce a culture of mentorship within, within your company. One is just simply curating and sharing information, whether that's podcasts, newsletters, or other sources of information that reinforce the values and the skill set that you're trying to, to build within your organization. It helps to introduce your mentee to credible sources of information and can introduce other perspectives as well. These are also great ways to build the relationship with your mentee by sharing a article or a newsletter or a podcast and asking them for their feedback on what they learn from the information, how it impacts their day-to-day -day job, and if they're going to change or do anything differently as a result of the information that you shared. 
a lot of times mentors hesitate because they feel like they have to create this original content for themselves. And not only is that time consuming, but again, it limits the relationship to just the experience of the mentor, where that mentor may have a vast network of, of content or individuals who can help enhance that relationship. And that brings me to the second program or, or idea for mentors and for organizations, which are hosting lunch roundtables. Um, of course, if you have the option to meet in person, lunch is always great in person, but inviting a group of employees to an informal lunch or coffee or dinner, whatever works best for you, and let them ask questions and build their peer networks with each other. Not only are you creating this network of high-performing employees within your organization, but you could use this as a learning opportunity, maybe invite a speaker or a guest to come in and help facilitate part of that conversation. Uh, it's a way to really enhance kind of the, the thought process of the organization. And you can also leverage Zoom or other online platforms to open this up to speakers or employees outside of your immediate location. You can have dinner shipped out to everyone's homes, have them connect in. But I may be old-fashioned. I like to just meet in person, connect with folks. I really enjoy the value of having that shared time together. And people feel more comfortable when they have an opportunity to share a meal together. Job shadowing is another great program that a lot of organizations don't take advantage of enough, in my opinion. And this is an opportunity where you can invite an emerging leader to a behind-the-scenes day so they can learn from senior leaders throughout observation. I've often enjoyed being able to be the fly on a wall in meetings where, you know, it's not related to the projects or my day-to-day -day work that I'm focused on, but it gives me an opportunity to understand what's important to other projects or teams within the organization. And as I go back to my day-to-day -day work, I'm able to identify opportunities for collaboration that increase the efficiency of the organization. And so job shadowing is, is critical to building awareness of what the entire business looks like. So often, you know, particularly going back into my example of I was a sales director promoted to an executive director. And so one of the things that I really struggled with as a new executive director was understanding asset management or understanding clinical operations. And so having that exposure to those different departments, how they operate, what the expectations are, what the policies and procedures are, can really help a new leader adapt to their role a lot faster. And then last but not least, I want to talk about reverse mentoring. And this is where the senior leader asked the emerging leader for information on topics where the mentor could learn from the emerging leader. And this is a great program to have because one, it's not a lot of organizations do this, but then two, it builds up skills within the emerging leader, such as the ability to present and transfer knowledge to other individuals. And you may learn more about the day-to-day -day operations of your organization. So for example, if you're a, a VP of operations or a senior VP of a department, you probably don't go into the actual software system that you're using on a day-to-day -day basis. And so for example, I'll, I'll pick on clinical for a, a minute here. If you are the senior VP of wellness for an organization or clinical operations or whatever you call your nursing operations, you probably don't go into your electronic medical record system on a daily basis and input a physician order or change the way that a medication is administered in the system. And so you lack that 
that perspective from the employee point of view. But if you're looking at how, what are ways that I can increase efficiency within my department or ways that I can improve the quality of the data that I'm seeing maybe from my executive dashboard, it all goes back to that input or the workflows that our employees have. And so if you were to ask an emerging mentor or emerging leader, maybe it's a wellness director or a director of resident care or whatever position you call your site level nursing leader to add, to show you how do you input this information to the system? Maybe let's log an incident report together. You start to look at breakdowns in the system and notice that, okay, I can't get this trend because maybe there's some data integrity issues that happen at the site level. And so you've identified opportunities for training um, for the organization, but you yourself have just become more familiar with a system that you are overseeing. Maybe it's something where you can go back to the vendor and you can work through a product development or an enhancement request that would improve the, the way that the system works and really benefit the entire organization. So I think reverse mentoring is critical because it not only helps the mentor become more in tune to the day-to-day grind of the organization, but it gives that emerging leader, again, an opportunity to really enhance their own professional ability by passing on knowledge, by identifying and troubleshooting issues within workflows or or within daily uh, habits. So I think reverse mentoring is a fantastic tool to use. And uh, one study found that less than 10% of organizations use reverse form of mentorship. And I think that it's definitely something that can be easily adopted in all all types of organizations. So you don't have to take this entire list and implement everything all at once. I suggest seriously considering at least one to get started with. And it may seem time-consuming now for you to start a new program. But think about the time that you spend on interviewing and training roles that are open because of the constant cycle of turnover that occurs in many businesses. And so it's well worth the time to go through and create one or two programs that really support a culture of mentorship or learning within an organization. And that is how we effectively establish change, how we signal to talent within our own organizations that we value them by creating opportunities for them to be developed um, internally instead of looking externally at organizations that may advertise their own development programs. And so I think that there are a lot of benefits that can be had for mentors and mentees through many of the programs that we've discussed today. Well, friends, this concludes our episode. I hope that you're walking away with one or two ideas and that you share this information with a colleague within your organization and really discuss how you can get started mentoring and cultivating talent within your organizations. I'd love to hear how your organization attempts to make accessible all of the learning and mentorship opportunities that are out there. You can connect with me on LinkedIn to follow the work that we're doing at Civitas Senior Living in this very area. And I look forward to sharing additional thoughts on the next Contributor Wednesday episode. And in order to make that episode specially tailored for you, I'd love to make this a question and answer episode. So if you have questions about developing emerging leaders, professional development plans, or mentorship programs, please email those to me at aoh at csrliving.com by September 10th. And I'd love to answer those during the next Contributor Wednesday series or during the next Contributor Wednesday episode. So again, you can email those questions to me at aoh at csrliving.com by September 10th. 
Just let me know if you'd like your question to be anonymous, and I look forward to answering them in the next episode. Until next time, stay well. Thanks for listening to the Contributor Wednesday series on the Bridge the Gap Network, sponsored by Peak Senior Living by Functional Pathways. For a full library of episodes, visit btgvoice.com. 